Thank you for listening. This is Rabbi Divi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Abraham. Please tune in every week on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Have a great week. Shabbat Tov. You ask me why there's, there's many reasons why we have Bar Torah in the meal, like breakfast, by lunch, the closing, the supper dinner. And the reason is because you should speak the Torah when you eat, when three people eat, they should, they should always speak the Torah. Even if not, so this is first. But beyond that, since last year that we had Rabdubi Ben Shushan here in the same place, and this is a coincidence. He, he knows this is supposed to be tomorrow in the reserve. So he told me, look, I don't like no. And for different reasons, it was changed. He wanted to change, I can change Rabbi, I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't, because another rabbi changed me, so I can't, I can't change. So for different reasons, it came out that it's the same place, the same rabbi, but because of the inspiration we get last year, that's why I decide that it's good to go back to sleep, even though you can say I'm full, the tank is full. How much gasoline you can put in the tank? We're full from Senihor, but to get a, a, a last torch, after dinner, like a dessert, English, English. It's, it's inspiration. It's inspiration to go back to the hotel. So uh, I'm very happy that we have with us Ruben Shushan. We love him already from last year. There's a lot of new guys you have seen. Yes. Everyone, have a try. Yeah, no, no. So almost like a double, and uh, I hope all of you will take this message back with you. Okay. Growing up, we never thought of Elul as exciting. We heard stories about rabbis. When they heard the word Elul, they start to shake. Pahat. We thought about fear. We heard about rabbis that passed out, they fainted just by hearing the word and the announcement of Elul and Yom Hadim. Rabotai, today, if we're to come to people in our generation and we tell them, Pachad, fear, Elul, right away, Rabbi. I don't know about the fear, I don't know about the Pachad, it's not for me. And the moment they feel they're not on that level, that's the moment they think that the whole thing is just not for me. I'd like to introduce to you this year, and I cannot tell you what it means to me to have you guys back again this year. Last year, you thought I was giving the inspiration. I came home last year, the night of Otimo, last year, literally to this group, smaller group. And I came to my wife and I said, wow, you gotta, you gotta see these guys. <laughs> they brought back even more. So tonight I'm not here to speak. Tonight I'm here to relish with you the gift of Elul and what it really is. You know, it was a great rabbi. His name was Torat Abraham. He was the Mashgiach in the famous Yeshiva of Slabodka. Now, you might not have heard of him because he was overshadowed by the great Rosh HaYeshiva. The altar from Slavodka. However, through the hands of the Torah Abraham came great Torah giants here to America. Rehutner, many, many great giants. This Torah Abraham, the Mashgiach of Slavodka, he would tell his students, and this is a very fresh and beautiful outlook on Elul. He would tell them, the Pachad of Elul is the fear of missing an opportunity. That's the pahat. It's a fear. It's a fear of missing an incredible opportunity. What opportunity is that? That's an opportunity of greatness. That's right. Because the only way to get to the opportunity of greatness 
is through a process called Teshuvah. Teshuvah, gentlemen, lend me an ear. Teshuvah is not redoing something that was done wrong. Teshuvah is to return back to a state of perfection. <clears throat> that is real Teshuvah. Like Adam Harishon, that after the Chet, he was looking so hard to try to get back to his original state of perfection, the very first Teshuvah that there ever was, so too to us. You want to know what real Teshuvah is? It's not redoing what was done wrong. It's returning back to a state of perfection. And that is the opportunity of Elul. And that's the pachad of Elul. That's the fear of this month. The fear is to miss out on the opportunity of thinking the greatness and who you can really be. It's right here now in this month. Don't spend this month thinking about everything we did wrong. Spend this month thinking about who we could be. This is a month to dream. This month has such siyatah It's there for the taking. And I'm going to explain to you, and I'm going to prove it to you. Rabotai, we have beautiful hagin. Chacham, Mechilai didn't see you. Come up, come, 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 come to the... Chacham, uh, come, come. Huh? Mechilai didn't see you. Harav, come, 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 come. Come. <laughs> I didn't start drinking yet, so that was... <laughs> we were talking about the pahad. <laughs> but in this perspective, the pachad of missing out on the opportunity of Elul, the pachad of Elul. Rabotai, we have magnificent Hagim. But I want you to know a secret. And let's be Megalesot. Our holidays, they are not commemorations, they are revelations. When we go through a hug, we're not just commemorating something that once happened many years ago, but rather, Dachat is revealing to us a secret of creation. When Hashem created this world, He put into the days of the, of the calendar certain kohot and powers. And we didn't know which days had what power. I'll prove this to you. Abraham Avinu Torah tells us that Abraham baked matzot, so did Lot. Gemara tells us that Abraham ate matzot on Pesach. Why is Abraham eating matzot on Pesach? Yitzhak Mitzrayim didn't happen yet. Jewish people didn't go down to Egypt yet. So why is Abraham eating matzot on Pesach? There was no Pesach. The answer is, my friends, Yitziat Mitzrayim did not create Pesach. Yitziat Mitzrayim revealed the secret, the day of Cherut that was put into the world each and every year on the 15th of Nisan. It was revealed to us that from the time of creation, God made that day the day of freedom. And each and every year that that day comes around again and again, it's going to be a day that's going to bring cherut and freedom into the world. Yitziat Mitzrayim did not create Pesach. Yitziat Mitzrayim revealed the day in the calendar that stands for freedom from the beginning of time. What does Rosh Hashanah stand for? Rosh Hashanah was the day that human life was brought into the world. The day that Adam HaRishon was created. Adam HaRishon, Rosh Hashanah. Hayom Harat Olam. It's the day of creation of the world. And because that's the day that human life came into the world and creation of the world began, every year on that same day, it's going to happen again and again and again, year and year by year. And that's why every year Rosh Hashanah, human life 
is brought into the world anew, the day of judging life and death, the day that the world is created for another year. What about the day of Yom Kippur? What did the holiday of Yom Kippur reveal to us? Well, Moshe Rabbeinu came down on Yom Kippur with Luchot Shniot. Borei Olam said, Salachti Kitbarecha. It was that moment that it was the symbol to Am Yisrael that that was the great kapara that we finally got for the Egel. Here is a day that was put away from the beginning of time that will always be a day, year after year, of a day for kapara. Our holidays are revelations. They reveal to us the kohot that were put into the days of the year. If this is the case, asks B'nai Sahar, then what are the days of Elul? What are these days? What do these days stand for? What kohot are in these days? Says B'nai Yisachar, I want to ask you a question. Before Hashem created this world, what was there? Except for? But what was there? You're telling me what wasn't there. What was there? There was Hashem. All there was before the world was created was Hashem and His wanting. But that's a bad word. English doesn't do justice here. I want to give you a good word. And if somebody's pregnant, you'll appreciate this. Craving. God was craving to do good. He wanted to do good so much. That he came up with a plan to create a world and put Adam in it in order to satisfy his wanting and craving to do good. That's the only thing that existed before this world was created. If that's the case, if Rosh Hashanah stands for the creation of the world, so the days before Rosh Hashanah stands for the time period before creation. That's Elul. Elul represents the time that Hashem had a tremendous craving to want to do good. And that's such a craving. That's such a ratzon that he had. That he wanted to give and do so much good that he created a world. That's these days of Elul. These days of Elul represent the time period of Hashem before creation. Before he actually created, he wanted to give so much good. And that led him up to a creation. And that's why our Elul leads up to a Rosh Hashanah. Do you understand the opportunity of these days now? Do you understand the Si'ata Dishmaya that exists in these days? These are days like no other on the calendar. That from the beginning of creation, Hashem put into the time, the month of Elul, an opportunity. He wants to give in this month so much, more than the rest of the year. He has such a ratzon to give. By the way, that's why this month is called Yimeh Ratzon. Not because it's an et ratzon. Because God's ratzon to want to give in these 30 days is unbelievable. And that's the pahat. That's the fear. The fear is to sleep through this month. The fear is not to realize what the gift of this month is. That's the pachad of Elul. The pachad of Elul is the fear to miss out on this awesome opportunity. The time period that represents God before creation wanting to give so much good. All you got to do is put your hands out and take. You just got to ask. You have to have the ratzon to want to be a great person. That's what Hashem wants this month. Delve not on the Averot. Delve <coughs> on who you want to be. Who you could be. This is a month to dream. I see that I'm not feeling your vibe. I'm going to give it to you now between the eyes. If you'd open the New York Times, or whatever the paper is, and you take a look at front page, and it says in a big caption, Walmart, Customer Appreciation Day. Walmart decides they're opening their store from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. Whatever you want, just come in the doors and whatever your arms can carry is yours. Tell me, you'd be sleeping late that morning? 
You'd have a hard time getting out of bed that morning. Huh? Tell me, the clothes wouldn't be out from the night before? We'd be down at that store so fast, not 5 o'clock, 4.30, waiting online to get in first. <laughs> Says Bode Alam, I'm not giving you one day from 5 to 5. And the things that you can take from a Walmart is so finite, it's so material. I'm ready to give you 30 days. I'm opening my store to the hilt. Come, take whatever you need. I want to give. I want to give you so much this month. You just have to come and take. Rabbi, what am I supposed to take? What are you supposed to take? Tell me. If you would have went to Walmart on that day, when they had their big opening from 5 to 5, and you ran in, and you woke up early, and you're the first guy in the store, and you look around, so much opportunity, wow. And you're walking up and down the aisles, and the guy says, ah! And he picks up a toothbrush, and he walks out. That's it? <laughs> so, that's what you walked out with? You walked out with a toothbrush? Walmart opened their doors from 5 to 5, and you walked out with a toothbrush? What are you walking out of Elul with? God says, my doors are open, not one day, 30 days. What are you walking out with? What are you using His Ratzon to want to give you so much? What are you walking out with? If you use that Ratzon and say, Hashem, I need a second car. Borei Olam says, that's what you're asking me for. You want to walk out with a toothbrush? Zell, that's what you need, another car? Huh? What is it? Another zero? Another dollar sign? A bank account? You know what I can give you, says Boreola? You have any idea what Boreola can give us this month? He can give us greatness. He can show us that we can finally become the person we always wanted to be. We need to develop a ratzon in this month. To become a big person. The person you always wanted to be. The guy that always looking around at everybody else. Wow, I love this guy. He's such balhesed. Wow, I love this guy. He does dafyomi like a soldier. Wow, I love it. Enough with the wows. Enough with the finger pointings. And enough of looking at everybody else. This is your month. And therefore, here's the month to dream. That's right. Get this clear. You don't sleep through Elul. You dream through Elul. That's the opportunity, and that's the pahat. It's such a fear to miss out on this opportunity. It comes and goes, and you blink your eye, and before you know it, the store closes. Wow, what a time. What, what an incredible time. You know, there was a man that missed out on a tremendous opportunity, an opportunity that the entire world was riding on his shoulders. We read it in this week's past parasha, this week's past rather haftarah. Did you see in this week's past haftarah that Navi, it referred to Noah as the Me Noah. Me Noah. It was Noah's Mabul. As if to say that Noah was responsible. As if to say it was his fault, it was his problem, it was his mistake. Why was it Noah's mistake? For heaven's sake, he was the only good guy in the generation. He was trying to do whatever he can do. He was sitting there with a hammer, nails, 120 years. What did he do wrong? You want to hear this, guys? This is a wow. You know the Gemara says that Noah was also part of the decree that he was supposed to die in the Mabul. And the world was supposed to end. And Hashem was going to start over again. The only reason why God spared Noah, Dichtiv, like it says in Pasuk, Les Pasuk in Berejit, Noah Matzahen Be'enesh. He found Chen One second. Noah has to find Chen. What do you mean? He was a great guy. He was a Sadiq. Well, we, we did Noah go wrong. How come we're calling it his Mabul? Me Noah. As if it was his mistake. And yeah, the rabbis tell us that there were two awesome mistakes that he was liable for. The first mistake is that he did not pray for his generation. If he would have prayed, Maybe his tefillot could have broken the gzerah and the generation would have been saved. And the second mistake that Noah did and was responsible for, he didn't have an influence on the people 
to stop them from the Averot they were doing. It's interesting, you see in Pasuk, Pasuk said that the, um, the Makau Patish, the last Avera, the main Avera that the Mabu was brought was Hamas. However, Gemara says it was because of Zima, Arayot. So Noah didn't pray for his generation, and he didn't stop them from doing Arayot. It was so out of hand. And because of that, he was supposed to die with them. So why didn't he? This is magnificent. Says the Kitzvah Arizal, something that's a mind blower. Rabotai, I want to ask you a question. We say Anna, right, every day? What do we say at the end? Isn't that a chutzpah? Anachno, okay. We did have it all. Bore Olam, forgive, forgive, forgive. Avoteno? Chutzpah? You want to say that you did Averot? Okay. You did Averot. You're doing, you're doing the best Yeshuvah. But your fathers? Is it nice to say that our fathers did Averot? What's the Pshat in this? Says the Arizal something magnificent. This is something to hear. This is a wow. Says Arizal, when a Nishama comes into this world for the first time, that Nishama is in the status of an Av. Av Nishama, it's the Abba Nishama. If that Nishama does Averot, that Nishama is going to have to come back and fix itself in a different lifetime in a Gilgul, which simply in modern English will say, Nishama needs to be recycled. So the second time that Nishama comes into the world to get a Tikkun is called the Tolda. The first time, Abba. The second time, it's like a child, it's a Tolda. Says the Arizal, no, no, no. You know what we meant there in Anna? You know what we were saying? Aval Anachno, we might have made mistakes in Averot in this Gilgul. Va'avoteno, and we might have made Averot in previous Gilgul. And we're saying our Avhet. We're saying Anavidui on all Averot from this Gilgul and the previous Gilgulim. Says the Arizal, this is the brilliance, and now I tell you honestly. If there was ever a dessert, this comes with a cherry on top. Open your hearts, Hebra. This is a mashu. Says the Arizal, yes. Noah, he was supposed to die in the Mabul. God spared him. Even though he didn't stop Ziman, he didn't pray. Nonetheless, Hashem said, Noah, I'm going to let you do Teshuvah. I'm going to let you be mitaken. But in a future, Gilgul. And where do you see this? In the next Pasuk. Ele Toledot Noach. These are the Gilgulim of Noach. Noach, Noach. He's going to come back twice. Ish Tzadik. He's going to come back as the Ish Tzadik, which is who? Yosef HaTzadik. In order to forget, fix Metaken, the Arayot, the Zima, that he did not stop the generation. And then he's going to come back second time as Tamim, He's going to come back as the perfect Jew. He's going to come back as Gilgul in Moshe Rabbeinu. Because he didn't pray. And ho ho, is Moshe Rabbeinu going to pray for his generation? And his tefillot Moshe, wow. His tefillot rewrites the books. He's the one that got us to Salah Tikit Barecha, Moshe Rabbeinu. Here is a Noah who had an opportunity to save the world. And the opportunity was lost. And take a look. He was held liable. That's a pachat. That's such a fear. You have an opportunity to literally build worlds and you don't. When so much is available to you and you don't, you're held liable. Look at that. That's why he had to come back as Moshe Rabbeinu. You want to see something very sweet? Here's just, you know, the icing. When Moshe Rabbeinu was born, the house lit up. Why did the house light up? We always thought it's because this baby is going to be <laughs> Moshe Rabbeinu. You know what? Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, Zechet Tzadik Lebracha, teaches us, as we learned from the laws of Meneket, that every Jewish child has the same potential to speak panim il panim like Moshe Rabbeinu. But yet, every baby, when they're born, 
doesn't at least yet light up. The rabbi here, when he was born, the whole city lit up. But the rest of us, it was a, you know, it was a beautiful glow, but it wasn't Moshe Rabbeinu. So how come Moshe Rabbeinu's house lit up when baby Moshe was born? You know why? Not because of who he's going to be. Because of who he was. This baby is the Gigul of Noah. And you know who the only one who knew this? Miriam. Because she was in Nevi'ah. And that's why, isn't it odd, that the mother, Yochebed, she didn't take care of Moshe. Miriam took care of Moshe. You know why? She knew the secret. She knew that this baby, Moshe, is a Gilgul of Noah. And at that time, all the boys in Am Yisrael were being killed. How do you save a baby that's the Gilgul of Noah? What do you do with that baby? How do you save it? What did she do with it? Threw it in the water. Threw it in the water? She put it into something, no? Oh my gosh! Eureka, look at that! She took the baby and she put the baby in a teva. You know why she put the baby in a teva? Because this is, uh, this is the Gilgul of Noah. And if Noah was saved from the original Mabul in a teva on the water, baby Moshe, which is the Gilgul of Noah, the only way to save him is to put him back in his matzav, in his mazal of Hatzalah, put him back in the teva, and put him back in the water. There, baby Noach Moshe cannot be touched. That's a wow. And that's where she got the brilliant idea from. Alpin she knew this baby was a Gilgul of Noah. And by the way, Hebrew, I want to tell you something. You take a look at Rashi over there. Rashi says that when Moshe was born, they named him 25 names. By us, the Moroccans, we have a lot of names, but not, not as many as Moshe. My name, Chaim, David, Dov, by my Kittubah, when they wrote it down, the rabbi turned to me and said, is that a name or a pasuk? <laughs> <laughs> Take a look at Rashi. Rashi says over there, when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, Rashi says they started giving him many names. They named him Tubia. They named him Obadia. They named, I mean, there's many, many different names. But wait one second. He wasn't called by any of those names. The names that his parents gave him, he wasn't called by. You know who, what name he was called by? Moshe. Given by Batya. was a machloket, but at least for one side. Batya. Why did they, why was the name Moshe from all the names? Why did that name stick? Ah, yeah, yeah, you hit it. <laughs> I believe. This one was pulled from the waters. You know why we named him Moshe? Because this was a Gilgul of Noah. This was Moshe. This one was pulled from the waters. This one is going to need a major tikkun because it missed out on an opportunity. What a pachat. This one has to come back as a Moshe Rabbeinu to make up an opportunity missed. And sure enough, when the time came, Klal Yisrael did what they did in Chetahegel. Comes Moshe Rabbeinu and he begins to pray 40 days and then another 40 days. What does Moshe say to Bore Olam? Moshe says to Bore Olam, Hashem, you have to accept my tefillot or else Mecheinina. The word mecheni spells me noah. Digest. Take a picture. <laughs> mecheni. The word mecheni spells me noah. Mecheni na reverses ani noah. Bore olam, you gotta accept my tefillot. Because if you don't accept my tefillot, I'm not going to get a tikkun. I am the Gilgul of Noah. Noah didn't pray for his generation. I'm praying now for my generation. I'm praying for the Jewish people. Now you have to accept my tefillot so that I can get a true tikkun. I can get teshuvah. But more important, I can get back the opportunity that Noah missed out on. And that's why I applaud you guys. I want to tell you something. I don't know if you're so well-versed with the recreation here in America. But today, my wife and my kids, as a rabbi, we don't get a lot of time off, if any. I was up today in Lake George, motorboating with my kids. That's why you see 
the uh, burn on the face, just when you thought a Moroccan can't burn. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> I was up there, like, and I said to my wife, I said, listen, we're having a blast, we're having a great time. And the kids need it, and you know, this is the time I get to see the kids. I'm not going to miss out on tonight, because I have such respect for these guys. Because these guys, while everybody else out there is partying July and August, and what they call an American summer, these guys picked themselves up, and they came to Lakewood Irakodesh. You know why? Because they realized an opportunity, and they grabbed it with two hands. That's the pahat. The pachat of missing out of the opportunity. That was Noah. The grabbing of an opportunity, capitalizing it, and bringing it home. That's you guys. That was Moshe Rabbeinu. Ay, ay, ay. So how do I cry out? How do I show Ratzon? That I want to be big. That I want to be great. Hashem's ready to give you whatever it is that you'd like in these 30 days. The store is still open. What do you want? Don't ask for feeble askings, because Shamayim is going to translate that to be that God forbid you want to be a nobody. Leave the cars, leave the materialism. You didn't have to come to Lakewood. If you're here in Lakewood, that means you want more. That means you're looking for purpose. That means you're looking for fulfillment. You want it? It's here. It's back in Panama as well, don't get me wrong. But the time period, you couldn't time this trip better. But don't walk out with the toothbrush. You have to develop the ratzon and say, Hashem, now's the time. I want to be a big person. I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that I was always wowed about. The guy that always was such, a, such an incredible person. The guy that spreads kavod shamayim. The guy that, 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 that you see on him. That he's a godly person. That's the guy I want to be. And this, this is the month, the store is open, Hashem is ready to give more than you want to take. But take, take as much as you can in this month. Now we just have to have the ratzon to want to ask and take. Ask, tefillah, ask, ask, ask. Don't underestimate even one tefillah. Don't let even one tefillah go in this month. Because that's our way of asking in the time that He wants to give. You miss out on those tefillot, has shalom, the fear of missing out on an opportunity. You've got to hear this wild, amazing story. <coughs> that, that, that's the sign to put on your seatbelts. change the name a little bit simply because if I don't sometimes people have ta'anot so we'll do it the right way a gentleman by the name of Sam Cohen Sam Cohen <coughs> here in Lakewood bless you Sam Cohen lives here in Lakewood this is a man who grew up with what you would call a modern orthodox education He's from the Lakewood of old. Lakewood of many years ago. Native Lakewooder. To the extent that after years and years, his mother got sick. His mother, his mother came into the old age home here in Lakewood. And he had a minhag, a, a, a beautiful concept. This is something that we could all emulate. And at least it should open up to us a certain feeling of a true kibbutz Abba'em. This wasn't the guy that put his mother away in an old age home. This was the guy that put his mother in an old age home so he can be there with the staff to continue helping her needs. A very big difference. And to prove it, Sam Cohen, he'd come to visit his mother every single morning. He'd have breakfast with her after tefillah, and then he'd go on to his day. And he wouldn't miss a morning. Not weekday, not Shabbat. And every morning he would come in and his mother would literally light up when she'd see her son, her only son, Sam, come in. And it was there, one morning he was speaking over with his mother, and she was cheering, and she was happy. And he says, okay, Ma, i got to go to work. 
He goes to work. He had a decent day. That evening, phone in Sam's house rings. Say hello. Uh, Mr. Cohen, uh, this is uh, nurse so-and-so. I hate to break to you the terrible news, but your mother just passed away. Sam says, what? How's that? I just saw my mother this morning. She looked great. She looked fine. What are you talking about? I, I, I don't get this. Are you serious? She says, yeah. Uh, Sam, listen to me. I advise you, we just put the body now downstairs in the morgue. You're going to call the Chabra Kadisha tomorrow morning. There's paperwork to sign. I would advise you quickly. Get yourself a rabbi, get yourself a funeral home, and get the preparations for the funeral ready. Sam, it was like a lightning bolt that went right through his brain. He didn't know what hit him. He said, I, I don't get this. My mother looked great this morning. I, so sudden. So sudden. What's he going to do? He spent the night crying. Next morning, Chabra Kadisha was already there, took care of all the arrangements for the body. At the same time, Sam... Sam went in, signed up all the paperwork. Sam called the rabbi of Sons of Israel, one of the congregations here in Lakewood, and he said, Rabbi, terrible news, but as a congregant of yours, um, my mother passed away last night. I'd like to make the funeral in the shul, and Rabbi, I'd like you to be the one to eulogize. Now, I know that you don't know my mother that well, but you know the family, please. I have nobody else. Can you please eulogize her? The rabbi says, absolutely, Sam. I know your family for years. Your mother was a good woman. We'll have the funeral. I'll give the eulogy. We are you burying her? He says, I, I, I didn't make any arrangements. What should I do? The rabbi quickly gives Sam a number for the Jewish cemetery here in Lakewood. Out 70. And he says to him, here, call this number. Sam calls the number. And seven and a half thousand dollars later, he buys a plot. And everything was set up for the 12 o'clock funeral. Sam shows up, the Aaron was brought by Hebra Kadisha, the rabbi is at the pulpit, and the entire congregation came out to the funeral of Sam Cohn's mother. And the rabbi got very emotional, and the rabbi spoke about her and her tzidkut. And then right after the funeral, everybody lent a hand, they carried, they carried the coffin out to the hearse. And there, they drove out together to the 70, in the Jewish quarter, where all and many of the wonderful old-timers of Lakewood that build this unbelievable city of Torah laid to rest. And there, Sam's mother as well. Ay, ay, ay. Sam was broken. What a shock. What a shock. He didn't see this coming. That night, he comes home. He sits down in the house. The doors are open, and the Shiva, the seven days of mourning, the Shiva begins. People start coming over to the house. The house is packed with people. As people are coming in and Sam's on the floor crying and telling all the stories about his mother, a guy comes walking in from the kitchen and says, um, holding the phone, Sam, you have a phone call. Sam says, uh, probably somebody's calling from out of town, from Israel. And of course, tell me, uh, you know, words of condolences. Sam says, who is it? Uh, Sam, I don't know how to explain this to you, but... Um, your mother's on the phone. <laughs> Sam jumps up. Excuse me? That's not funny. That's a very tasteless joke. I'm sitting here in Shiva. I'm sitting here crying my heart out. What do you, what, what, is, that, is that supposed to be funny? He says, no, no, Sam, I'm not joking. Your mother's on the phone. Sam looked at him and said, what? My mother? Is she calling long distance? <laughs> well, what, 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 what? <laughs> They brought him the phone. Sam gets on the phone. Sam picks up the phone, gets on the phone, and he says, Hello? Who is this? Someone hears a voice. Samuel? Ma? Ma? I, I don't get it. Ma? Where are you? I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to ask that question. I mean, I mean. <laughs> Is this really you? Samuel, this is your mother. Of course it's me. I and mean, who else is it? 
My, you don't get it. You, you died last night. Sam, I don't know what you're talking about. But I got very worried and concerned. He said, you got worried and concerned. I buried you this morning. I laid you to rest in the Jewish cemetery. I was the one that covered the grave with dirt. Sam, I don't know what you're talking about. But you know, every morning you come to visit me for breakfast. This morning you didn't come to visit me for breakfast. I got all nervous. I thought maybe something happened to you. You thought something happened to me? Maya! We had a funeral this morning and the rabbi got up and the rabbi spoke and he, got, he was crying and tears. Ma, is this a joke? Sam, if you don't believe me, come right now to the old age home. I'm sitting here in my room, room 119. Sam jumps up out of the shiva. He says, this is crazy. This is impossible. But that was my mother. Sam gets back on the phone. He calls quickly the old age home. He asks for the nurse that called him the night before. He says, nurse, what is going on? And then suddenly there's silence on the phone. Uh, let me come back for a moment. A minute later she comes back. She says, I don't know how to tell you this, Sam. I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> no kidding? I made a terrible mistake. What happened? Last night, I called you and I told you your mother died. It wasn't your mother that died. Your mother's roommate died. But by mistake, instead of calling the deceased that was in room 119, bed A, by mistake, I called the next of king of the deceased of room 119, bed B. I called the wrong kids. What? Are you joking me? You mean to tell me that I just buried today a person that was a complete stranger? You mean to tell me that I made a funeral today for a person, a complete stranger? I got the rabbi to speak and eulogize. I spent $7,000 on the grave and I just buried a complete stranger? I don't know what to tell you, Sam. Sam hangs up. He calls back his mother in room 119. He says, Mom, did your roommate pass away? Oh, yeah, Sam. She was such a sweet lady. She was only here for a few weeks. I didn't really get, I didn't really get to know her that well. But she was a very special lady. I saw the way she, I saw the way she actually carried herself. Ma, you don't get it. I thought it was you. I made a funeral today and I buried your roommate. Now, I have to call the family of this lady who I buried today and I have to tell them that they missed the funeral of their mother or grandmother. I have to tell them that I buried their mother and grandmother and it was one big mistake. She said, Sam, don't even bother. This lady that died, she only has one daughter and she doesn't really get along with her. Every time they would speak on the phone, it was always yelling and screaming. She says, my, I... I uh, I have no choice. I gotta call her. Sam, he gets the number from the nurse and he calls up the daughter of the lady who really did die, the roommate of his mother, bed 119A. And he calls up the daughter and he says to her, I don't know how to tell you this. It was a terrible mistake. And uh, long story short, your mother died. I buried her this morning in a Jewish cemetery. I made a funeral for her, very respective, and I had a rabbi give a beautiful eulogy. I know that doesn't mean much to you because you missed it all. But at least you should be consoled that it was done with great respect. This silence. And then the woman's daughter says, Wow, my mother, son of a gun, she got away with it. I can't believe it. Excuse me? Got away with what? Sir, I don't know who you are, but I want to tell you that when I was younger, I went off to college and I came back with a man who wasn't Jewish. And my mother told me, if I'm to marry him and spend my life with him, she's not going to be able to carry the same relationship with me after our marriage. I thought that was terrible. 
I thought she was literally cutting me off for no good reason. I went and I married this man regardless. And for 20 years, my mother and I never spoke. Only a few years ago, my mother and I reconnected. And it was at that point that I told my mother, I'll never forgive her. But because she has nobody else in the world, and I have no one else in the world, because my husband died only three years after the marriage. Because of that, I'll talk to her, but I'll never forgive her. And my mother would beg and cry to me every day. I know you hate me, but all I'm asking you, I have no one else in the world. Please, could you just give me a Jewish burial? Please, can you just get me a respectable rabbi to give me a eulogy? Can you please just get me a Jewish funeral and a Jewish burial? And I would tell my mother, Jewish burial, Jewish funeral, rabbi, ma, when you die, there's going to be one word coming out of my mouth. Cremation. Cremation. Srefa. Esh. Dust. Cremation. Wow, look at that. My mother got away with it. I can't believe it. Sam was blown away by this phone call. He calls back his mother. And he says, Ma, I just spoke to the woman's daughter. It's a real mejnune. <laughs> she wanted to cremate her mother. She says, yes, Sam. She would cry to me night after night. And this woman, Sam, I want to tell you, she had it to Helene sitting at her night table in my room. <clears throat> Day and night she would cry and pray and pray and cry. And she is God just one thing. Just, I'm begging you, Hashem. My daughter wants to cremate me. I have nobody else in the world but you. I'm relying only on you. Please, Hashem, give me a Jewish funeral, a rabbi to eulogize, and a Jewish burial. That's all I ask for. And sure enough, at the time when she passed, suddenly, it seems, a mistake took place. And instead of calling the next of kin a bed 119A, they ended up calling the children of 119B, Sam Cohen, who ran and gave this woman a funeral, a rabbi to eulogize in an incredible, respectable way. And the plot, seven and a half thousand dollars later, in the Jewish part of the Lakewood Cemetery, because a tefillah never goes unhurt. We need no one when we have Borei Olam. But we have to realize the opportunity when the doors are open and the time is now. If that doesn't do it for you, then this will. When I was in second grade, one morning I remember, a friend of mine, Yoshua, comes running in. And he says to me, Dubi, listen, we're not going out to recess today. I said, sure. What are you talking about? He says, no, no, we're not going out to recess. I said, why? What's the emergency? My mother. She's going to give birth. When I was leaving to yeshiva, she was going to the hospital. I said, Mabruk, Mazal Tov. What's the problem? No, 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 you don't get it. We're not going to recess. We're staying in and we're praying. Why? Is there something wrong? He says, yeah, there's something wrong. I have five sisters. We got to pray it's going to be a boy. <laughs> because if this is another girl, I'm leaving the house. I'm coming over to your house. I said, wow, okay, that's a code red. Okay, now I understand what the emergency is. And I remember in second grade as a little boy, I remember that that day recess, I stayed inside while everybody else went out to play ball. I stayed inside with my friend Jesse. And together we took out the Tehillim and we were shaking back and forth. The Boreolam, you got to send Jesse, a brother. Because Hajj already, you know, five sisters. He's going out of his mind. And we sat and we prayed and we prayed. And I remember my Rebbe, second grade Rebbe. He comes walking in with his coffee in Miller recess. And he looks around and he sees us sitting and praying. And he says, no, son, okay. What are you doing in here? I said, Rebbe, it's an emergency. What's the emergency? What do you mean? Jesse's mother. She went in to give birth today. Really? Wow. So what's the problem? 
said, Rebbe, come on, get with the program. He has five sisters. <laughs> We're praying that it has to be a boy. Oh, that's an emergency. Okay, continue, continue, go ahead, fighter, go ahead, keep praying. We're praying our hearts out over to healing. Two little boys, little recess. Recess came, recess went. The kids came back in, and the class started again. And then about an hour later, there's a knock on the classroom door. And in walks in my friend's father. Jesse's father comes walking in with a big smile. And everybody looks at him. And everyone says, yeah. And he looks at the smile. And he says, the class, and he says, Mazalto, Mabruk. It was. <laughs> it was a girl. And the whole class went, oh. And I remember jumping up and saying, what? Give me a girl. I prayed. I gave up my recess. Well, it was a girl, Vamet. And they named this little girl Naomi Sutton. Well, P.S., today her name isn't Naomi Sutton. Today her name is Naomi Ben Shushan, my wife. Can you imagine if it was a boy? <laughs> You're in Lakewood. You're in Lakewood. The pachat, the fear of Elul, of missing this opportunity. Bore Olam wants to give you more than you could ever imagine. Now's the time to dream big and ask to be a great and big person. Now he's ready to give. We need the Ratzon to want to be great. Spend your time this month taking every last minute of this trip. We should be zochet together to grab every opportunity in this Elul with every tefillah. Because every tefillah counts. And Borei Olam knows exactly what to do with every single tefillah as long as we're grabbing every single opportunity. Don't sleep through Elul. Dream through Elul. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. This is Rabbi Divi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Abraham. Please tune in every week on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Have a great week. Shabbat Tov.